On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Chris Milken. He is the head of infrastructure and security at NUNA. We are going to be covering a few different topic areas with Chris. Um, we're going to talk about how his experience at Google and a 2009 hacking incident shaped his views on security. We're going to talk about what Noon is doing within healthcare and uh, some of the various issues that we're seeing in terms of uh, the critical nature that we're at with healthcare, the challenges within healthcare and security, just the evolution that uh, seems to be at a little bit slower pace than other industries. And you know, hopefully we'll get to all this stuff. Chris has got a fantastic background. Thank you for being on the podcast. Mir, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. As I mentioned, you have a lovely background. Obviously, want the audience to get to know you a little bit better. If you could give us a little bit about who you are, how you got here, and a little bit about you know your current company, that'd be a great starting point. Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. So I'm the head of infrastructure and security at, at Nuna. Nuna is a 10-year-old startup, I guess I'd like to say, a restart. They have recently uh, changed their product offerings and have uh, new uh, solutions for the healthcare industry that have to do with value-based healthcare. The current model of healthcare is, is fee-for-service, and anybody who's unfortunately had experience with the healthcare industry uh, knows that you know, there's a litany of fees that come with any uh, treatment or what have you. Nuna's proposition comes in, we directly work with the payers, insurance companies, and move from a fee-for-service to a value-based treatment. So instead of getting a litany of charges, you're going to be charged for you know, the appendectomy, the baby delivery, the broken leg, what have you. And then there are quality metrics that go in behind that that can incent the providers, the healthcare systems, et cetera. So kind of a uh, arbitration engine, if you will, between payers and providers. As such, we get a lot of information very sensitive information, including personal health information or PHI and personal identifiable information or PII, as we refer to it in industry. So uh, security is an existential problem for Nuna. If we blow it, we're kind of done. So we definitely take it very seriously and we make it secure by design. It is really the mantra. Myself, personally, I've uh, got 25 years experience in industry, probably 10 where I would call myself specifically a security practitioner. That all started at uh, Google right around 2009. Uh, you mentioned the Aurora incident, which is kind of the Pearl Harbor of cybersecurity for Silicon Valley. We're celebrating the 10th anniversary of that uh, here uh, in recent times. So uh, at the time, I was a site reliability manager, generalist engineer working for Google. Uh, found myself called into a pretty important meeting with some pretty important people and, and they laid out the mandate. Like, look, we're not going to say this can never happen again, but we're going to say this can never happen again without better awareness, right? And we didn't have the term yet to state it the way we do in industry now, but uh, what they were asking for was you know, finding things out earlier in the kill chain when we had adversaries doing things on the network. So my mandate was to uh, go out and, and figure out how to you know, see bad actors earlier in their activities and uh, hopefully thwart their actions uh, before they did any real harm. At that time, I, I looked around various industries, see what, you know, what's being done. Right? Google wasn't a startup at that time, but it was definitely uh, early in Google's uh, life cycle. And uh, it was hard to compare. So I, I took a look at finance, energy, oil and gas, things like that. What are they doing? And one I did see a common theme that, you know, there was a very 
operational approach to security, but not a ton of engineering or brain power dedicated to it. So you're only as good as your, your operators. So we took a blended approach. Operations is a key requirement. You can't just automate your way out of this, right? You definitely have to have subject matter experts and humans who can do this. But we also made them, I mean, we took a software engineering approach and, and made sure that the operators were the one writing the signals that they were responding to. And it gave um, a much deeper personal attachment to the work being done, right? You can't complain about a signal you wrote. So the signal's uh, inaccurate, uh, go fix it, right? And uh, iteratively, it got much better. The tools we started with were as basic as said, grep and awk, you know, and then we built out a system that, uh, you know, dealt in petabytes of data and was able to, you know, tease meaningful, actionable signal out of that kind of swarm of data, which was impressive. That's an early shift left. So I, I now it's the big discussion point of security shifting left. And it sounds like, you know, 10 years ago, part of, I guess, the nature of the solution you guys were trying to put in place in Google was actually moving it far left and, and getting, obviously not an engineering only solution, but obviously having the subject matter coupling with engineering to actually put the right solution in place. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, shift left is another great term that uh, yeah, we couldn't quite articulate back then, but it's exactly where we're going. Yeah. And it is making things actionable, right? Uh, information can be a drug, right? It seems like I have all this information. I'm, I'm great, right? No, not if it's not actionable. You can actually drown in too much information. And uh, that was one of the, probably one of the biggest problems we had early on. Google was very good at turning petabytes into megabytes, but, you know, Megabytes are still not human consumable, right? And you can't do much with it until you can get down to what action can I take? What deeper investigation can I do? What new data sources do I need to automate you know, as much of this as possible? So it really shaped a view of where I realized that you know, this is a wonderful engineering problem, but at the end of the day, it's an economics problem. What I'm trying to do is within reasonable costs to myself, make it too expensive to attack me, right? And those are the key features. You can spend a lot of money on your defenses. And if you spend too much, you've lost the game. And uh, if you don't spend enough, well, then it's just far too easy to ransack your information. So definitely have to keep the cost up to the adversary. And everybody's got a boss, even the bad guys, right? uh, Everybody's got a boss and a budget. So what you want to do is... You know, the old saying was nobody got fired for buying IBM back in the day. Well, you could turn that around and say, you know, nobody got fired for not hacking Google or something like that. You know, I don't know what the water cooler talk is for uh, <laughs> nation state actors, but yeah, let's hope there's something like that going on out there. I'm sure they have a, a, some kind of a chart and metrics associated with uh, achievements and gold stars and the whole nine yards. I guess interesting thing you mentioned about, you know, about the balance, right? And obviously, what's interesting about what you mentioned back at Google was the focus was on awareness. And it sounds like there needs to be a balance between, you know, having enough security in place, but also, you know, it's not even possible to be perfect, but also, you know, not doing enough because you're worried that it's not perfect. That seems like a very delicate balance of trying not to over-index on either one, because obviously you're going to have issues. Yeah, definitely. And again, um, it is uh, trying to achieve that balance daily, right? And change is your tool. You can't be afraid of it in this industry, in this environment. 
Which brings up an interesting challenge with regard to the healthcare industry, and we can talk about that in a bit. But in security, you do have, uh, Alex Thomas refers to them as the security nihilists, right? These are the ones who uh, I'm not going to bother because it's not perfect, right? And you have to counter that with, well, no, it's not perfect. But, you know, economically, it's the right balance, right? Or defense in depth so that, you know, several imperfect solutions can raise the cost versus that one thing, right? So you can't have perfect security anywhere in the stack. Something's going to go wrong that's outside of your control if it's the actual processors, right? Or memory, things like Rowhammer, right? There's very few companies in the world that can do much about that, right? Maybe uh, some of the big ones like Google and Amazon. but you know, if you're working in a startup, you're definitely deferring a lot of that to your cloud provider and what have you, right? So you've just got to make the best balance and effort that you possibly can. On the other side, there's the, well, I'm compliant, so I'm secure. Well, I have a driver's license. That doesn't make me a safe driver, right? I've reached a minimum bar. I've passed a you know, test, but you know, California is a wonderful example of, you know, that license is uh, not a guarantee of success with regard to you know, the training uh, necessary to be a, a safe driver, right? Same thing. Compliance is, you know, the low bar, right? And uh, you can't use that as uh, anything but a starting point as far as the measure is concerned. Yeah, and I guess you mentioned healthcare and compliance. And I know, I know one thing we mentioned off fair was compliance is an equal security. How is that viewed in healthcare? So, I mean, obviously, I know there's a lot of regulatory components, but how is healthcare viewing compliance as not equal security? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, um, NUNA really is this coupling of Silicon Valley and, and healthcare culture, right? Which at first glance uh, don't seem too compatible, right? Uh, security and compliance for the Silicon Valley mindset is, you know, more of a hurdle to get over or dodge around and uh, move toward, you know, the next great innovation, right? In healthcare, it's more of a, uh, my uh, colleague referred to it as, uh, must be this tall to ride the ride, right? It's literally a choke point, right? Where you have to be compliant. And HIPAA and uh, various uh, types of compliance measures are taken very seriously, right? Sarbanes-Oxley in the, in the corporate world for publicly traded companies, et cetera. But again, they're just a starting point, right? I've been a Sarbanes-Oxley control owner and uh, it's arduous, right? But I don't feel it did a bit of good for the security profile of the company, right? HIPAA, oddly enough, the P stands for portability, (laughs) not privacy. So I think a lot of people take it to its uh, spirit extreme versus the letter of it. It's good because it is sensitive information and I do love to see that being well-guarded, but those compliance measures aren't. What's keeping it well-guarded? It's the practitioners and those that can uh, put that defense in depth in place to take care of these things. One of the biggest breaches we had it at uh, Google with regard to uh, employee information turned out to be from one of our health insurance companies. I'll, I'll do them the favor of not mentioning them on the podcast, but uh, you know, it was disappointing. That's the nature of the, the beast as well as you, know, you can do as much as you can but you have to realize that in this cloud-driven world, right, <clears throat> somebody is responsible for some of your information, right? It's out of your control. Compliance helps in that case, but, uh, you know, I'd recommend, uh, you know, holding your vendors to more than just a compliance standard, right? Go through 
failure drills with them, go, you know, test their practices beyond just their uh, you know, SOC 2 compliance uh, measures that they publish, et cetera. What are some of the uh, unintended consequences of, you know, over-indexing out compliance and, and not security? God, that's a great question. I think for every compliance measure out there, you can find a good example of unintended consequences and, and how it's actually you know, decreased the security profile in, in some form or another. GDPR is a wonderful example, right? There is so much at stake and there are so many companies that you know, fear being the case study in GDPR failure that uh, it's become you know, its own micro industry with regard to GDPR compliance, et cetera. And what you have is suddenly an IP address starts to be treated like a PII and people are afraid to log it. So you have an application server, web server out there, it gets compromised. You don't log your IPs because you didn't want to upset GDPR compliance. And now you don't have the information that you really need to do a thorough investigation, right? And this is, you know, I've heard plenty of anecdotal evidence that this is a recurring trend, right? I think HIPAA, again, the emphasis on privacy is good, but the P stands for portability, right? These rules are intended to help get that information flowing so that providers, insurers, healthcare systems, et cetera, can provide the best possible care for you, right? And that, you know, getting that information shuttled around to the appropriate people is requisite to get that done. But uh, all too often, it is very much treated like, uh, as I said, you know, must be this tall to ride the ride. And you find yourself having to, you know, go through unnecessary hurdles to get that information in front of the people that need it. I guess something just interesting that you, you mentioned, obviously, with healthcare. I mean, if anyone's ever dealt with anything with healthcare, it seems like it's a little bit arcane. Seems like they're trying to you know, modernize, you know, giving you better web access to kind of bring some tools easier for us to work with. But outside of that, it feels like very black box. I really have no clue what happens when you get your health carrier sends you some information about whatever they're covering. It's normally 85 pages and half of it's junk and the other half's fine print. And it all seems very still old school to me. I guess maybe talk about how you're seeing, you know, you could bring like the innovative, let's say Silicon Valley mindset to tackling some of what's happening in healthcare to help push it forward? I mean, what can be done? What are you seeing? Welcome to healthcare. Uh, set your watch back 20 years. We'll set aside the political will the country has with regard to solutions and uh, instead just talk about it as a business. I mean, you've got three major players. Well, four, actually. You've got to count the patient. You have the payers. Right? You have the providers. These are the doctors, the actual practitioners and the healthcare systems that they uh, work for or with, right? And there's fewer and fewer independent practitioners anymore. They're all typically part of these uh, amalgamated systems. And then, of course, as I, as I said, the patient. With regard to systems and security, et cetera, the payers, right, the health insurance companies, technology is still not a part of their core competency, right? They use it as a business tool. They are in business and it's uh, they have somewhat arcane you know, uh, systems, some of which date back you know, decades, right? And they're not bleeding edge. And the providers themselves, you can't expect you know, a small doctor's office to you know, have a security staff or uh, even some you know, modest size healthcare systems. They're not going to have much more than that compliance would require them to have. 
right? And, you know, across the board, you're going to see, again, this information needing to be shunted back and forth. And it's uh, in each uh, sharing of that information, the threat model changes, the threat vector changes, uh, everything is different, right? And Nuna is, you know, hoping to become a clearinghouse that can help uh, with a lot of that and ameliorate some of the need to take it to outside systems as well. For me, I think the biggest awakening was, you know, how the system works. I would have probably vilified the payers, right, before I learned much more about the industry. Not necessarily. I think their biggest need, their biggest want is a predictable business model, right? And particularly, by the way, in COVID times, Mm -hmm. that's rough. You know, COVID has put unbelievable strain on the industry. The cash flow is not there. People are not getting their, uh, you know, optional procedures done, right? People are afraid. Why would you want to <laughs> go near a hospital right now unless, you know, you were seriously ill? Because, uh, you know, that'd be the most likely place one would think, one layman would think would be the place that you would catch COVID, right? So probably being avoided and any uh, elective procedures, et cetera, right, are drying up. And that's where healthcare is a business. Right. And that's impacting it pretty awfully. We like to think that uh, value based healthcare is going to improve that and uh, we can improve those systems. You know, it's $3.1 trillion in the healthcare industry, and about a third of that is estimated to be waste, just uh, wrong processes. And it's not, you know, just waste in the uh, fee for service, but it's all along the life cycle of healthcare. So I guess just when you're looking at, the solutions and you're looking at just the complexities from a security perspective, right? You have, you know, all these different players. It feels like there's no one really talks to each other because if you ever call the healthcare provider, they provide you with information and it feels like then they hit a wall and then they're like, well, you got to go follow up with somebody else and you have to make another call. When you're dealing with security and you're looking at, you know, trying to make sure that data is traveling at HIP and make sure that the information portable is secure from end to end. Is there a weak point in that? Is there like a point where you're like, well, you know, the weak link might be X, Y, and Z. And, and how do you account for it if people have turned back their clock 20 years and they're still not pushing into modernization? One of the weakest links will always be the human being, right? Anytime you have an opportunity where phishing or you know, uh, social engineering is a good weapon. That's troubling, right? That's tough. And there are a lot of humans involved in the process, as you mentioned, all with a fragment of the picture. Getting it all put together and, uh, and sorted out in an efficient way is one of the missions that uh, Nuna is out to provide and hopefully ameliorating some of those weaker human practices that put people at risk. But it is, it does bring up something that uh, I realized early on working for a much smaller company like Nuna, what you miss when you leave, you know, the big world of Google and Amazon, et cetera. Threat intelligence is a luxury that the big companies can afford. And it is much, much more difficult to get really good threat intelligence when you're a smaller company. Yes, there are threat intel companies that, you know, will provide you you know, the latest and greatest threat intel. And it's usually through some automated feed, a REST API, right? And well, if I've got a, you know, a startup with maybe a security guy, that's difficult to turn into actionable information. 
And what I did find that I found very helpful is uh, an organization called HISAC. It's a wonderful organization that is uh, members from all over the healthcare industry, sharing uh, Chatham House rule style, threat intelligence, uh, best practices, etc. So, and many industries have their own ISACs. ISACs formed around the Y2K, oddly enough, as like the clearinghouse of best practices and what to do as doomsday approached. And as the clocks rolled over in 1999, they said, hey, this is, a, this is a good model. What should we apply this to? Like, we shouldn't throw this away, right? So they uh, moved ISACs to uh, information about uh, information security and sharing that across industries. So yeah, I found HISAC to be an invaluable asset for Nuna at the size we are. You know, we can't afford to put a, you know, bespoke threat intelligence team together just yet. So uh, making good use of that has been really good. It's interesting. I, um, I think a lot of different communities, you know, when you're looking at software companies, obviously a lot of things are proprietary. People are trying to find competitive advantages. But when it comes to security, there's a lot more sharing between companies of ideas, thoughts, information. It feels like it's more of a Security is just a big us and then against threats. I feel it's like a little bit different. If you were to look at a product person and you know, two sides, they might not necessarily share a roadmap features, right? <laughs> That's revenue models. But for security, you know, everyone's trying to avoid the breach and improve security, threat intelligence. There's so much collaboration, which is interesting to me. Yeah, there is, and it's growing. And we're getting, you know, better methods like traffic light protocol, et cetera, to help people, you know, keep the honest honest, right? Because as you say, yeah, you know, you're not going to get product managers, to, you know, sharing their roadmaps and, you know, sharing proprietary information. Yeah, no algorithms being shared, but security. But security, yeah. And it's beneficial across the board, right? And you find your market enemies are sometimes your best friends with regard to uh, threat intelligence and just uh, measuring that cost, right? Now, there is also, you know, that friendly rivalry and the understanding that like, look, I'm just trying to make it expensive enough that they'll come hack you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's well understood, right? And, uh, you know, it's even measured. I mean, you can do research on the black market value of a given email account by mail providers, right? And, and Gmail, I think, is still at the top of the list, right? Well, yeah, there's definitely collaboration. Doesn't mean that people are not trying to still leverage that to their own you know, proprietary competitive advantage. But exactly uh, right. yeah, so, so obviously, yeah, it seems like security is one of those things where, you know, there's a notion of you really don't want to have to hear about it until you do. I guess at, at Nuna, like, you know, you, you saw Google shifting to the left. What's it like for you guys? Obviously, you know, I'm just trying to get a sense of how much security has moved to the left. Is, you know, are you guys actually incorporating it further down the SCLC or kind of what you're doing? Well, I mean, what we have to do is figure out what we're going to be able to cover. What can we afford to do ourselves? And where do we need help? Right. So I already gave the example of threat intelligence. I can't afford to hire a threat intel team. We're just not at the size and scope for that yet. Yet I get terrific threat intel out of this association, right? And more focused information, frankly. Threat intel is one of those areas that uh, the value of the feed is only as actionable as it is to you, right? And if you're telling me what's going on in the world of cryptocurrency or you know, 
what have you, or just finance-based, right? That's not the same as the threat model for healthcare, right? I need a much more focused uh, feed and actionable intelligence. On the other side of that is uh, the operations. I can't put together your, your typical SOC, right? So there are managed service providers that uh, I can find the right partner, help them get better at their job, right? We do have enough years of experience on the team at Nuna, which I think Nuna for its size and scope, we do have a pretty large and sophisticated security team. And there's probably you know, upwards of uh, half a century experience between four of us working on the team. But we need more help. So we need partners. So we give a plug for Red Canary. They do a wonderful job uh, as a managed security provider uh, doing some of the monitoring of the endpoint logging that we do. That frees us up to be able to focus much more on our data flow and our application, you know, knowing that we have 24-7 monitoring on our endpoints. Right? We can focus on AppSec and that data flow that uh, is so critical. Awesome. I guess, uh, yeah, just uh, one maybe final question. So I know, you know, you guys are kind of the core of healthcare, you know, and I know you kind of describe what Nuna's doing. It seems really interesting, like from both, uh, you know, helping the industry and then you guys have some specific security challenges. Like, what is it that Nuna will impact at the end of the day? Like, what is the big fix that they feel will kind of shift some of the healthcare issues? I think the biggest shift that will provide is efficiency, right? It is trimming down the ways to making that information available to decision makers that allow the payers, the insurance companies to make quicker, better decisions and allows the providers to increase the quality of care measurably, right? And in an unambiguous way, right? And giving those quality of care metrics it will increase uh, cash flow for some of the payment operations with uh, some of the providers. You know, right now, you could see up to a year before payment is you know, actually made to a provider, right? In some cases, right? And it's just uh, for various reasons. But if you, know, you can turn that into a much more typical for other industries, 30, 60, 90 day payable, that's an incentive for providers and healthcare systems to embrace the value program. That's the intent. Nuna is Korean for big sister. And there's a wonderful story of our founder and CEO, Jeannie Kim. She has a brother who has uh, severe autism and uh, epilepsy, I believe. Her immigrant parents had to deal with the healthcare system coming from Korea. And Jeannie grew up basically as the healthcare maintenance expert in the family as a result. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because there's a value we hold very dearly that we are all Kimong, his Nuna, right? His big sister. Kimong is Jeannie's uh, brother I mentioned. And what that means is we are all the patient's caretaker. We are all here for ultimately the patient, right? So it's wonderful that we're making business models more predictable for payers. It's wonderful that we're making payments uh, available more quickly to providers. And that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, it's all for Kimong and patients and to make sure they get the care and quality of care that they need as quickly and efficiently as possible. That's an awesome story. What a great mission. If there was ever a drive behind a story to bring change about, I mean, that's as personal as it gets for her. And it's, it sounds like you guys have some exciting things ahead. You do. We do. And I'll just... Uh, 
get a quick plug in. We are hiring. So you know, if somebody's listening and this, uh, this inspires them, yeah, shoot us a resume. Absolutely. And uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you, is LinkedIn, Twitter, what's a good way to actually get in touch with you? I think I've finally gotten uh, my LinkedIn under control and uh, I've uh, separated the automated shape from the uh, personal wheat and can, uh, be contacted there for sure. So we can share that link and I'd be happy to uh, share an email address as well. And I can give that to you and we can provide that to the listeners. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, definitely appreciate you being on. It's a fantastic conversation. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Amir. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks again. Absolutely. And um, we'll include all those details in the show notes. So anyone uh, listening, uh, feel free to reach out to Chris with any follow-up questions. And again, that's it for this week. We'll be back again next week. Uh, different guests, different topics. As I'm always mentioning, love to get some feedback on the podcast. Any topics you want us to cover, those are always great. Uh, the list is kind of growing and uh, talking to more security professionals cloud professionals. And then also, please subscribe to the podcast. Give it a like, give it a rating. It does let more people um, find it on whatever platform that you're listening to this. So that really helps us out a lot. And until next week, we'll be back again. Thank you. <laughs>